welcome to another rockin' and rollin' episode of Breakdowns for Breakfast. I am Monster. Joining me is Danger. Danger. Say hello, Danger. Hello, Danger. We've talked about a lot of stuff on this show already, and this is only our, what, fourth episode? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we've already kind of jumped, um, you know, all sort of within the rock genre, but this is our first 90s alternative power pop rock kind of record. It is. So today we're going to talk about an album that I really, really enjoy that I don't know that Danger will share the same affinity for, but we'll get there. Uh, today I wanted to talk about Caroline Spine's 1999 release, Attention Please. Now, before I brought this to your attention, please. Tell us oh, what I, kind of history. <laughs> I, I, I see the, the cleverness you have there. Oh, uh, nailed it. Yeah. What, did you have any history with Caroline Spine? Had you ever heard of them? Had you heard any about them? In in a word, no. Um, no, I, I was not familiar with Caroline Spine when you brought it to me. And I, I found in actually writing my notes, uh, like it was a weird... Uh, plurality to it because it was caroline's spines album attention it was weird yeah but, yeah a lot of apostrophes yes so no i had no familiarity with this at all and i found this album as good as what you your segue was clever <laughs> oh boy oh boy yeah so so i will say that um the album before this it was called monsoon i think it came out like 1997 had a had a small uh, alternative rock hit, I guess you could say, called Sullivan, that got some play on like the alternative rock stations. It was very in line with the times. It felt like a, a 90s alt-rock song, and it was good. Uh, Jimmy Newquist is, the, is basically the band. He writes the songs, and, and I think he's probably the only original member. Um, and... His voice is a little unique, and I think that that's probably one thing that held them back from mainstream success. Um, the closest comparison I can give is Rain, Maria from Our Lady Peace, but it's not really like that either. Um, I would put his voice on the low end of his. I wouldn't put it um, in the, the higher end of his register. Actually, what I uh, what I said about it was... And I, in my notes, I said with the first listen, and it ended up just kind of being with subsequent and every listen afterwards. I feel like he was really, really trying to be like the post-grunge indie Eddie Vedder. There's, yeah, like his voice has the same like warble kind of thing that a yep. lot of 90s grunge singers had, mm -hmm. but his actual tone of voice is a little bit nasalier. And so I can totally see why not everybody would love his vocals. Yeah. Um, his, his vocals fit right into that like post grunge, mid nineties alternative indie sound. Yeah. And it, it didn't work for me. Honestly, it, you know, I feel Which is like funny because I know how big of a fan you are of bands like Pearl Jam and Smashing Pumpkins. And yes, absolutely. Which I mean, it, um, Jimmy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins is the nasiest, Billy. nasaliest Billy Corgan, Bill, not Jimmy. Billy sorry, Corgan. Jimmy Chamberlain is the drummer. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, is the nasaliest of 
of singers, and he actually uh, quit singing lessons after like three because they were trying to get him to stop singing through his nose. Gotcha. And it just didn't work for me on this. And I, I think part of it is because where you have singers like that, they write music that's going to work with that singing, or they have a certain tone to their voice. And I felt like he was nasally trying to be Eddie Vedder. Okay. Okay. Yep. I, I can hear that. And I will say just up front that um, I am going to give this record a lot of glowing praise for a couple of standout reasons. There's two or three things I'm going to bring up several times. But I okay. will also admit that I can recognize when something is glossed over with nostalgia. And mm-hmm. this is definitely an album that I listened to a lot when I was a kid. Okay. There's a couple tracks on here that I distinctly remember really speaking to me when I was younger over the years. So I, I, I definitely understand a personal attachment that you're not going to have that the average person that just picks this up out of the blue is not going to have. Um, so where you have certain tracks that are memorable, a lot of tracks on this album are forgettable to me. I feel like, while the form of music this is is completely respectable, especially going into to this time period, I guess, if you will. Sorry, hold on. The album came out in 99, which means they probably started recording 97 into 98. And so it's obvious they were highly inspired by things from uh, the late, I don't know, I would say... 93 to 95 was kind of really a big sound I heard in the music yeah. of this. And so while it's re- this form of music is respectable, it's not always original and it takes, you know, a special thumbprint to be engaging in some way. And I feel like Jimmy's chicken shack was on heavy rotation while writing this album. And to your point, and I think this is where you and I are going to have the biggest discrepancy is I think they do have something that makes them stand way apart from their contemporaries. And that is the mix and tone of the rhythm section on this album. The drums and the bass sound like nothing else that was going on at the time. If you now, I don't know how many times you listen to this with headphones, but this is one that I really like with headphones because for a 90s alternative rock band, that bass is heavier then it has any right to be. That's probably my, as a guitar player, I mean, I play Mm -hmm. bass too, but as a guitar player, the bass guitar and the drum tone are two things that I don't gravitate towards. But when I listen to this record, those are two things that I focus on. Because like, honestly, the the next record, if I record a record on bass anytime in the future, and they ask what kind of bass tone I'm going for, I'm going to play them this record. So it's funny to me because... In the past episodes, bass and drums is what I've gravitated more towards. And <laughs> I, you know, there's a few places where the drums really stuck out to me on this. Bass did not stick out to me at all. In fact, I did listen to it through headphones and I found it really didn't add anything to the experience. Okay. Okay. I, I didn't, I didn't pick up on the things. I mean, there's a few places where you have something happening in one side and not the other, but yeah. nothing really, I, I didn't really feel like anything was gained by by headphones i i felt like at best this album overall just kind of made really good background music i actually put it on while cooking dinner one night and 
and I, you know, and that's actually something that I want to do with, uh, or that's something I like to do with music overall is throw it on while I'm cooking. So it's like my brain is on something else. My hands are on something else. And it's kind of how the music makes me feel in the that moment. And what I found was this album really just, you know, could be ignored when I needed to. And it just occasionally gave me a catchy chord or riff or something like that. It's called attention, please. You're you're already disobeying the record. You're supposed to pay attention. He asked you nicely. <laughs> I, he did say please. He, he now, did say please. Now, we don't have to go song by song. No, you know. and I will tell you right now, I did not take notes on every song because not every song stuck out to me, like I said. Which is fine. Yeah. Which is fine. So I, I will hit a couple of things here just to kind of, you know, another thing that I really like about this, aside from the, the mix and the tonality of, of the rhythm section, is the actual guitar riffs are mm-hmm. oftentimes a little interesting. Yes, um, first that is song, something I will give this. I, I so will give that the first song, Attention Please, I think it kind of grabs you. Right out the gate with a driving kind of beat. You're going to hear that high tinny snare. You're going to hear the really low chunky bass. And then you've got that, that kind of twangy weird guitar. Um, I, I think the first song does a really good job of encapsulating what's to come. And I think a lot of people right there, that first 30 seconds of that first song are going, this ain't for me, or this is kind of interesting. And for me, I thought it was interesting, especially, again, it's really hard to judge some of these albums 20, 30 years later. Right. You know, and so it, I, I definitely get that. But I think at the time, you know, and I'm trying to think of some of the albums I was listening to in 1999, and I don't remember production that sounded like this. And uh, to be honest with you, the stuff I was listening to in 1999 was probably the same kind of stuff I was listening to, I don't know, three, four years earlier. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was when we really started to see the real big introduction of, you know, new metal into, you know, MTV and the radio and whatnot. But as far as, that opening track attention, please. So it starts out with that, you know, slow, clean guitar and his vocals on it are interesting to me where, and, and I think it's interesting that the cover of it is a speaker and he is, you know, lots of speakers, right, right. (laughs) Lots of speakers. And the first thing that comes to mind every time I hear the, uh, the effect that's put on to his vocals is actually, no, it's actually no? okay. it's actually a uh, a live video I saw a long time ago of Stone Temple Pilots where Scott Weiland was singing into a megaphone, megaphone you know, to a megaphone. Yeah. And so that's what comes to mind, which it's again the imagery of the megaphone and the speaker. I thought it was interesting. And then it'd be called yeah. and then called attention, please. And then that you know that clean open with that vocal sound lasts for what was it uh, like thirty seconds, something like that. Yeah, a few seconds. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, it comes in with a decent guitar riff. And then to me, it's, you know, and this was something I picked up on while cooking. It's like it hit and I was, you know, I found myself kind of get it. And then the rest of the song, I didn't, you know, it didn't mean anything. Like it just kind of faded out. And then I felt the same way about the second song 
deep in your wake. Actually, not the same. Several times a day you'll find me gone down deep in your wake. And my the only one I felt like it was just a passable song and no, so this is something I'll say. I do not the, feel like those should have been opening tracks by any means. Well, so what I was gonna say, one note I made on Deep in Your Wake that I think that this album if there's a dichotomy here and maybe i'm maybe i'm just so into this record that i'm giving it more credit than it deserves hey but you know yeah i i'm sure that that's gonna for. happen at different times yeah that's what we're here for right no it's you know this this was one that you brought to me you have a love for it so go for it tell so, me why i agree that when deep in your wake starts it does have kind of that generic 90s alt rock sound to it which might be but part it, of why i liked it i don't know or okay. not deep in your wake. Sorry, uh, that it might be something I liked about it, but not sure, sure. why I liked it. But like I said, forgettable, passable. You know, I would definitely skip it. You know, if I was, yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. So during the verses, it, it, so the dichotomy thing that I was bringing up a second ago. What I think is really happening on a lot of these songs is the production is big and bright. And even though that bass is real heavy sounding, it's still clean and it, it doesn't have that rattle sound that like corn has, but it's, it's doing a little more than just, you know, root notes and, and whatever. And it has a very rhythmic kind of vibe on some of the songs. The other thing they do is they'll be playing it straight, pretty simple three, four chord kind of progressions, mm -hmm. but then they'll throw in like one note. Or the bridge will switch to this weird chuggy kind of riff, and it sort of it it it, it makes it less poppy than something like the Goo Goo Dolls, but like heavier than something like you know early Foo Fighters. You know, so to yeah. me it was sort of like I, I like that that kind of like filled a void for me because I I had Foo Fighters albums, I had Goo Goo Doll albums, but this was like. It's not new metal. Like it never goes to, into that world at all. But that bass, and so on "Deep in Your Wake," there is a part like right before the chorus kicks in, where they go to the half note that sounds kind of like, uh, not eerie, but it's like a little darker note than you think it's going to go to. And they do that periodically. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think it's one of the best songs on the album. And I'll say the third song, Nothing to Prove, is probably my least favorite song. I should be able to get over yourself. This one sounds like they were swinging for the fences. They wanted Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls, and it just doesn't work. Like, it's got the strings, and okay. I don't like the lyrics. I, uh, I don't so, know. This one doesn't work. I didn't necessarily like the lyrics, but I thought the vocal work was better on Nothing to Prove. I think it has a catchy chorus, but just in, like, the rhythm of his voice. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, again, the lyrics aren't great. Nothing really stands out to me. The orchestral instrument you know, is an interesting touch. Yeah. And I, I thought it was an interesting touch to where it kind of, it, it feel, it filled the sound for me. It, it filled the void. Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like that's what those sorts of things do to a song, those sorts of instruments, in addition to like a keyboard or something like that, it kind of fills that empty space, you know, yeah. 
but I feel like this song and most of this album, mainly this song, would be at home on a WB show soundtrack like One Tree yeah, Hill or yeah. Dawson's Creek. And to me, you said, or like the rest of the album, and see, I kind of disagree with you there. Mm-hmm. I agree with you about this song. Yes, sure. more this song than the rest of the album, but I feel well, like most of this album could at least be somewhere in there. So for your next stretch, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That stretch to mm-hmm. me is gold. There's one or two songs that I don't think are quite as good as the rest of that section. Uh, Rock and Roll Hero is probably my least favorite out of that little section there. But through windows of darkness, I tried to fit the moon in my mouth. In my mouth. Here's the thing that I think makes it or breaks it for a lot of people. These kind of songs are very specific lyrically there's no interpretation there's no the singer wrote it about his experience with blank but i took it to be more like blank no it's very clear here's what we're talking about no there's like there's no misinterpretation of these in fact that was actually one of the criticisms criticisms i have of rock and roll hero is the lyrics are so specific yes to something that I can identify with on some level, you can identify with more than I can. Sure. But I don't feel like the public could in general, but the the lyrics are what really took me out of that song. I felt like, you know, the guitar work was fine. The drums were fine, but the lyrics really just threw it off for me. So like I said, during that little stretch, that's kind of like my favorite part of the record. That's the one song out of that stretch that I'm kind of meh on. Mm -hmm. Um, but ready, set, go. Here's another thing about this band I like. He was just a one of the boys there until the day she started looking at me weird. There is a sense of humor to it. And it's not always, it's not like laugh out loud funny. Ready, set, go is one of my favorite songs on the album. And, and here's why. Because it starts off very whimsical sounding. The lyrics are very specific about a girl he was friends with when they were kids. She's starting to become a woman. He's starting to become a man. So they're like fooling around. It's a song about puberty, but go on. It is. It it straight up is. But there's a line in there about how she tells him that if he, if he tells her dad, she's been messing with him, she'll kick his ass. Yeah. It's like, this is probably a true story, something that he really did experience. And I had a friend growing up, very similar situation. We were, she was just one of the guys and she always hung out with the guys. And then one day she was cute, you know, and we never, we never like, you know, we were never boyfriend and girlfriend or anything, but I could sort of relate to kind of where he was going with that. I could say that the, the lyrics to that, I I do know every part I was talking about. And I felt like it was a lot. Okay. During that song, I had a lot of like, did he just to, and upon like listening to a couple of times, I my thought was he's trying to be funny. He, yeah. And he's trying and to be funny. I think it is kind of funny, but I can see how others wouldn't. But again, there's something about the drum and bass rhythm to these songs that like, even though the guitar is pretty just jangly, 
there's this da 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 and it like hits harder than most alternative rock tracks in 1999 are doing. And I think that's the part that, you know, again, being the 311 fan, being the new metal fan, I like music that bounces and grooves. And to me, this is like if Stone Temple Pilots like had the Chili Peppers rhythm section. You know what I mean? Like, I know that sounds crazy, but that's honestly like where my head's at on this album. Like it sounds... I'm not going to disagree with you there. Yeah, the rhythm section is funky. I'm the, not going to disagree with you. The vocals, but I are would, more straightforward. Yeah, sorry, I was. I, I'm. I'm on that right. that tra- that thought now because I didn't place it. But, and I wouldn't put uh, Chili Peppers rhythm. I would actually put um, Soundgarden's rhythm section on there because. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On, on that one, the guitars. Yep. The guitars did jump out to me on that because it, I did feel like the guitars and the drums and all and meshed well because it did just give it. It was a a driving force of, of uh, instrumentation. And I really felt like the instruments gave the vocals room to breathe, but the lyrics kind of threw me off because it was a lot of like, wait a second. Did he just yeah. say that? What? I, I, yeah. I get that. And then rock and roll hero. We like I said, we don't have to go into any real deep discussion on some of these songs, but like rock and roll hero is just a song about w- being a kid, wanting to be a, a rock star. Like you said, I can kind of, you know, I had some of those feelings too, you know. Um, Inside Your Mind, that's another one. I respond, I'll defend, then I no longer tolerate it. I wonder how I look That I didn't get when I was younger. Again, he's trying to be funny. He's literally, it's like he just got done having sex with somebody and he's asking them, how'd I do? Like, that's literally yeah. the whole song. But the music has a, a, again, it's upbeat. It's got a cool rhythm to it. And I'm really curious to see what you think about the next one, Open Fire. Do you have any notes on that? Gonna take me apart With every little thing you think you know From pieces to pieces The only leaves are the last to fall And I don't know Okay, why. so inside your mind, I want to say that I felt like the music wanted to be heavier, but somebody in the band was pulling them back. Like it was like they, they were trying to push it, but then it was like lead singer was like, no, I can't get my words out. If you're that heavy, it's going to be distracting. And he was like, Hey, you know, it wouldn't be distracting this dinging. I'm going to put in the background of the song (laughs) the entire time, which that was one of the things when I put it, when I had it in, uh, in headphones, I was like, Oh God, no, this is terrible. Like that dinging. Yeah. It's like somebody's just hitting like a, a bell at a hotel counter. Yeah. I don't, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that, but, but please tell open me your fire. thoughts on open fire. Okay. The, the notes I have on it, good drum work, not great drum work, just good. The guitars were, you know, fast driving. I felt like that was actually a, a thing I kept coming back to for this was the, again, the guitars really jumped out to me on this album. Um, I did enjoy how the guitar, uh, you know, kind of come in and out and allow for the vocals to, mm-hmm. you know, to do their thing. Um, there's that one part where the, you know, the guitars just, and I could not remember the word and I, you may the guitar just hits and just goes. What's the word? Uh, I I don't okay. know. I know I I, I know <laughs> there's a term for it. there's an exact word for it. anyway, and it just kind of gives a moment for and you just have like a, a change to uh, an interesting little drum 
change mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the rest of the album as a whole, which I did enjoy that little part of it. But, you know, he was singing during that part. And I really felt like this song was better when he wasn't singing. <laughs> okay. You said it. You said exactly what I knew you would say. Here's the thing. This is arguably my favorite song on the record. I love how it starts with that. The lead line is essentially two notes. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And it's this wah, wah, and it like swells. And then the bass and the drums kick in. And to anybody that's interested in hearing what, why I keep bringing this up about the bass and the drum mixing, there's a breakdown in the middle of this song where it's just mm-hmm. drums and bass. Yes. And you can hear exactly what I'm, what I'm trying to say. It's the bass is so heavy and the snare is so bright that yeah. it's, it's, I love it. Like there's something about this mix that I just, I've never heard on another record, which is why I like it so much. But I will say the way he sings, the chorus is literally him saying when they open fire. And he holds out the word fire for like, I don't know, 16 bars. And it just warbles all over the damn place. I felt like the way that he sings fire actually is the way that Bono sings fire on Joshua tree. (laughs) I, I, it's, it's one of those things that I love the music so much. And I like the vibe of the song so much that I don't mind it. But it's definitely not my favorite part of the song, for sure. Moving through some of these last couple tracks, I think Turned Blue is pretty cool if you listen to the lyrics. Let me tell you something about myself. I think I'll tell you with nobody else. Because deep down inside, I know you're listening. It's a little heavier uh, topic-wise compared to some of the other songs. The riff is kind of heavy too, but the the uh, only note I have on that is that song shows how a good riff can make a bad song better. It's got a cool that opening that da 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 yeah and that um, was, that was one where I thought I felt like the guitar player was like, no guys, I I I haven't been able to do it yet. Let me do it now. So another one of my absolute favorite songs on the album, and maybe it's cringy to other people, but the next song work song it's another early morning some came up without a warning never do nothing till i'm showered and clean i think it's another prime example of everything whether you love it or hate it they everything that's on this record is in this song it starts with this really real fast upbeat kind of grooving sound um the lyrics are a little tongue-in-cheek they're a little bit you know trying to be a little funny and i again the the rhythm the bounce the groove that it has uh the lyrics work for me it's actually funny i remember when i went from doing the kitchen jobs and restaurants and working for you know i was a lunch lady for a while oh when i first lunch lady monster yes uh, when I first got into the corporate world, I had a job at a mortgage company. And when I went from doing the kitchen stuff to working in a mortgage company, I remembered this song. And I know that the lyrics, he's he's very negative about the corporate nine to five world. Mm-hmm. But for me, I was like, it pumped me up. Like I was like excited yeah. 
to be in the corporate world after so many years burning myself and sweating to death. <laughs> oh yeah, and I've I've put in my time in kitchens and all too. I mean, I've uh, I didn't my hands oh, the yeah. nerves weren't right in my hands for a long time. I would just grab hot things and no yeah. problem. And anyway, so as far as work song goes, the lyrics didn't really jump out to me in that one. Um, I thought his delivery was fun. Again, the rhythm of his yeah. his delivery. And I thought the guitar and drums were just kind of steady through it. I thought work song was fine at best. I, it, that's, that's a fun one for me. That's one that there's, there's, well, I'll get there in a minute. The last couple songs are okay. I like Happy Without You lyrically a lot. I remember thinking things would never change the way it was and how it was to remain. This is another one that's a very specific lyrical story. He's talking about breaking up with a girl and she's coming back to him Mm -hmm. and he, he pushes her away. Like he says, I'm happy that we talked. I'm happy that we have squashed some things, but we're done. We're not coming back. I could relate to some of that at the time this came out. So that song is cool for me after that again and again probably my second least favorite song on the album you just have to say the word i want to know if you know me right now if you know me right like i feel like you could cut that one i wouldn't care yep. uh but then true star i i like that they went out with a, a fast heavy song Versus something softer and more like introspective. Any drummers out there, I recommend listening to True Star. I think that's a really cool example of being busy while not being distracting. Yeah. So I will say that that was the part about the end of the the album that jumped out to me. I have said several times in the past, and I will say it in the future that if you're going you know, when you end an album, you have to bookend it with something of note and something that yeah. jumps out. And the fact that it was heavier, you know, it got, you know, it, it definitely stuck out, but nothing else about the song really stuck out to me. It was just, it, it was like, it, it made me notice that it it's was got, still on. It's got a big chorus, but it's, it, it's not a memorable one. Like, Again, I think this is similar to some of the other songs where I think they're really swinging for the fences, but it just doesn't land. Um, I I like the song, but I I I see what you're saying too. As far as it has a lot of neat pieces, but then the whole three minute thing doesn't necessarily work perfectly. And that's something else I like about this this album is the songs for the most part are pretty tight and short. They they pack a lot of stuff into each song there's usually um you know some cool riffs there's usually some kind of bridge or a breakdown a couple little guitar solos here um but you know i i I like a short song i'm not a big fan of five six seven minute long songs unless it's really going places yeah if if a song's gonna be long it's got to be long with purpose you know exactly it can't just meander you know if if it's gonna be a long song it's got to have a a uh, again, a purpose. Like there's got to be a a solo. There's got to be something there. 
of note with it. Don't just throw me a solo. I mean, the uh, yeah. you know my note on Happy Without You is fun guitar solo. It's quick and it had a nice tone. You know that I, that was okay. it. That that that's it. The rest of the song, I it it does not jump out to me. I did catch the lyrics you're talking about, where he's talking yeah. about you know a breakup and hey, we had a good time. I don't even have notes on anything else within the song. I don't have notes on the set on the song after that. I, I'm going to agree with you that you, they could have left that off. It was, yeah, that one, that one, yeah. I felt like that one was filler for the album, where they said, "Hey, yeah, we need yeah, another yeah. song," and again, doesn't stick out to me. But you know, uh, the um, yeah, this one, uh, "Happy Without You," nice little guitar solo. The uh, bookend of the uh, the uh, the album, it was good that it was heavy. It made me still notice, but to be honest with you. I noticed music was still playing and I stopped it when I was cooking because I was like, wait a second. No, I just, just no, uh, -uh, not going to fit, not going to work. And it doesn't work, you know, kind of stresses me out in this moment where I've got five (laughs) pans going and whatnot, which I love that part of it. And there's usually one that all of a sudden I go, Oh shit, it's burning. But right. right. Yeah. Um, but oh, I, like I said, I think True Star is fine. Like I don't hate it. Um, but I really think that stretch from like four to 10, I think that, if you like this album, there's a lot of stuff to to enjoy in that range. Um, I don't. I like attention, please, but I'm I'm with you. The, you know, in your wake's not great, and then I, I don't I don't love that. Nothing to prove either, all that much. So um, I I do think that showing this to somebody for the first time, it might the first couple songs you have to sort of work through to get to the real meat and potatoes of the of the album, in my opinion. Um, but I think for the right person, it is rewarding. If you get there, there's something there that is unique for maybe not for everybody. I will let, I'll let you give your, you know, closing statement here in a second. Maybe it doesn't work for everybody, but like, like I said, when I heard this in 1999, it, it worked for me so well that in 2023, I still want to talk about it. <laughs> so I, I feel like this is probably one, like you said in the very beginning, that is just steeped in nostalgia. And, it is sure, and and that's fine. I mean that that's fine. I I have quite a few of those album albums myself, and I'm sure we'll talk about a few. Oh, I'm sure we will. I don't like an album that it's like I have to work to get through things. It's like you know, if I listen through an album the first time, and I could pretty much go, okay, here's here's a couple tracks that really jump out to me, or yeah. it's like everything except for like the first and then the sixth song are solid on this, you know, something like that. But I don't, I I didn't get that with this one with this album. I got that. Most of it was like almost no song was all the way good. Most of the songs had a, a bright spot within it. Mm -hmm. The, to me, the highlights of the album were nothing to prove and turned blue. I thought those were Mm -hmm. good. Um, the uh, the orchestral part on uh, what song was it? Uh, Rock and Roll Hero. Yeah. Uh, well, no, it was uh, nothing to nothing prove. To prove. Got- yeah, that stuck out to me because it was so different from everything else on the album. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna give my my closing okay, evaluation. Okay, I did go back and, and after like I just had this album playing on Spotify while I was doing stuff and. I ended up uh, real. I realized that I was listening to the first album at a certain point, 
And I like the first album more, to be honest. <laughs> so so uh, the only reason I bought this one is because I had the first one and liked it so much. That's fair. So that, that's a, I've done that move plenty of times. So sure. So I definitely think that if if you like this album even a little bit, check out some of their other records. I think they put out some some stuff in like oh seven and oh eight that I've I've listened to a couple times, but I just couldn't get into them. Uh, and they actually just put out something in like twenty twenty or twenty twenty one or something. So Jim Jimmy Newquist, the the main guy, he's still making stuff. He does a lot of stuff for like. Um, Disney and NFL and like bumper music and that kind of stuff too. So he's doing fine for himself. I'm sure. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm sure he is. And the thing is like the, they kind of, I feel like they kind of went into like EP and single territory there for a bit. <laughs> and then they put out um, an album and that was, I don't even know if the lineup was the same. I, I assume that uh, Jimmy was the only consistent person. In yeah. The, the musical director of it, if you will, uh, maybe legally owns the name Caroline's spine. Um, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So attention, please, please is Caroline's spines <laughs> second album and doesn't so much change their musical direction as much as give it a tune up and a trial. And by a trial, I mean like, Hey, we're going to try this stuff. We're going to tune it sure. this direction. Yeah. Okay. This shows there's still a post grunge band that leans heavily and depends on guitars and their drummers moods for the day, putting out an effort of heavy rock, that wants to be metallic, not Metallica wants to be metallic. Mm -hmm. They have developed stronger hooks. However, this is about attention place. Uh, they've, they had developed stronger hooks later on. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. I feel like within this, I needed to like explain certain parts, which makes me realize how <laughs> poorly this is written. This isn't a perfect album by any means. Some songs feel more produced, which makes the album feel uneven. This is a solid album for 1995 not 1999 and Caroline spine with this album makes me think they should be nothing more than an opener on tour with Candlebox, seven Mary three or collective soul. Maybe with all three as part of what I call the last gasp tour where you have aging sure. bands or musicians. And it's like, Hey, we're still here. This album probably would have had a big influence on Nickelback and Daughtry. Uh, should it only really live on the soundtracks for WB shows like One Tree Hill or Dawson's Creek? That's where I think this album should probably still exist because those soundtracks would allow for certain songs, not the whole album. I give this album a four. Okay. Okay. Real quick side note. You mentioned uh, who they should tour with. You know who they did tour with? Probably one of those five groups that I mentioned. No, the three highlights that they mentioned on Wikipedia are Aerosmith, Kiss, and Queensrÿche. <laughs> I can see Aerosmith, and I can kind of see Queensrÿche, but I don't think anybody should tour. I don't think Kiss should tour anymore. No, I don't, I don't think Kiss should do anything. Kiss should I kiss my it. ass and be I done. Hate Kiss. Yeah, yeah I we if we come away from this episode agreeing on anything is that kiss sucks <laughs> agreed all right so all right my, my my final thoughts here so yep this album is a mix of 90s alternative rock with super catchy power pop hooks uh what really stands out on this record to me is the production especially in the drums and the bass the rhythm section on this record sounds like very few of the contemporaries which to me gives it a feeling all of its own 
as we go on in this show, listeners will find that I'm a big fan of stuff that is left of center, that it sounds 90% like this genre or these bands, but they do something quirky. And that makes mm-hmm. me gravitate towards them more so than other bands. And we'll, yeah. we'll talk about some of those bands and records soon, I'm sure. But not only the, the production, but they do share some similarities with some other 90s acts. Uh, I hear a lot of Our Lady Peace in, in the vocals. You mentioned some earlier, like Collective Soul, that kind of vibe. I do think they're kind of, you would put them in the same ballpark. But because of the, the busy, bright-sounding drums and that massive-sounding bass, it, it sounds a lot heavier than a lot of other 90s alternative rock bands. There's a lot of bounce and groove to the songs. That a lot of more straightforward 90s rock sacks didn't incorporate at the time. There's a slight edge in some of the chord progression choices, as well as this sort of just slight darkness to it in, in spots, which is then juxtaposed with some of the more like Ready, Set, Go and Work song where the lyrics are a little bit tongue in cheek and a little bit more silly. I think it's a very unique flavored record, which is probably what kept them from really breaking into the mainstream full on. Like you mentioned their album before you liked it a little bit better. I think it's a little more straightforward. I think it's a little more of its time sonically and, and songwriting wise, but you, you had also mentioned, you know, there was only a couple of tracks that you thought were particularly good. The rest was kind of filler. I'm the opposite. I think the two there's two tracks that I would probably cut. A lean ten, I think, is pretty much perfect for me. One to ten, I give this an eight. Okay, you gave it an eight. That's fine. So combined, breakdowns for breakfast rates this record a six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I I do want to put together actually. I'm going to start keeping a running thing of where we're we putting should. albums. Yeah, and so. I'm going to stick with, I don't feel like any song on this, a complete song, is a good song. Mm-hmm. I think almost every song has a bright spot in it. Some sh- stars shine brighter than others. Some stars have supernova and are starting to die. But I remember a thought that I had within this. So this album came out in 1999. Mm-hmm. And I, I've had this running theory for a long time about uh, media, pop culture in general, between 98 to 2002 was a very experimental time where things were either turned out to be complete and total crap, things were still trying to hold on to the 90s, or mm-hmm. things were really, really good. And we saw a lot of things really change. And this was an album that I felt like was really trying to hang on to the 90s and not trying to progress. Was just try- like the band wrote most of this album on tour for the album before. And you know, most of it was done in sound checks or on a drum pad and an acoustic guitar in a hotel room where they were trying to keep the noise down. And it, it's so funny because I feel the exact opposite. Because I feel like they could have put out another record like Monsoon, but instead they said, let's get funky with the drums. Let's turn that bass gain up. Let's do something that other guys aren't doing right now. It feels very 90s, I give you that, but it sounds like they're at least experimenting tonality-wise with some different sounds that, again, there's, like, like I, I think we kind of like that comparison of mixing, you know, like Soundgarden and Our Lady Peace. Like, like there's, there's a lot going on here that 
to me works. But I, 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 again, like I said before, there's a nostalgia here that you don't share and a lot of other people won't that is definitely clouding why I like it so much. So, you know, agree to disagree on this one. Hopefully, God willing, people will actually listen to this show and then respond back and give us their opinions. I'd love to hear some of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'd, I would love to hear the opinions of listeners of this or really any album that we're, we're reviewing here. Yeah. Speaking of. Yeah. Speaking of, what is the next album we are going to discuss? Next week, we're going to dive into Gym Class Heroes, As Cruel As School Children. We've jumped around in different different genres. Now we're going to do kind of a um, emo hip hop. Now, have you ever seen them in concert? No, no. I actually I, did. I was supposed to see them in concert, but we will talk about our our experiences okay, okay, with okay, those okay. next week. Yes. All right. And I didn't even realize I was supposed to see them in concert until well after. But you know, gotcha. Anyway, okay. cool. Well, monster. We are going to have to agree to disagree on that's okay on this album. Uh, this did not get my attention, please. That's okay. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I will continue to be one of 12 people who listen to it on a regular basis and really enjoy it. So yep. that's fine. All right. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And good morning or good evening, depending on what time you're listening to this. But this is just getting smoother and smoother. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Breakdowns for Breakfast. Later.